Welcome to The Soul Connection, an exploration of the interconnectivity between our social influencers, physical and emotional well-being, with a spark of spirituality. Please welcome your host, The Soul Doctor, Dr. Christiane Lepertz, known as Dr. K. Hello, welcome to The Soul Connection USA. We are here today with a guest from Arizona. We have Amanda Moniz, and she is a candidate for the Central Water Project District, and she has a passion for education, which is one of my core passions. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you're working on and some of your experiences out there in Arizona and why you're running and, and what you hope to accomplish. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Oh, this is wonderful. So give us a little history about yourself, how you got involved, um, what you're currently doing, and we'll maybe start with the water project uh, discussion. Yeah, I'm a native Arizonan. I've lived here my whole life uh, between Cave Creek and Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, And I've worked in education for the last 10 years. That's where I've kind of been in my career. And I do that because I'm passionate about the future of Arizona. And that also relates to the conservation of our most precious resource, which is water. And how I got into this particular office was I just started asking questions about where our water is coming from. And I heard that our governor wanted to create another water authority that he would appoint individuals to. And that concerned me as a citizen that likes smaller government, that there's another bureaucratic thing he's trying to create. Where we already have systems in place. So I started asking a lot of questions and I got involved with somebody who currently sits on that board. And he told me that um, he's not going to run anymore and asked me if I would like to run and he would help me. So I said yes, because I knew I needed to step up for something as many people have recently. And so I decided to run for the Central Arizona Project uh, Water Conservation Board. Mm, well, that that's wonderful. I'm always really inspired by people just answering the call and and starting to take personal responsibility for what's happening in their communities. Uh, I actually went to school at Arizona State a little while ago. (laughs) And uh, back then, I I do remember how water was a big deal. Uh, I I travel out there many times um, a year, and I know that it's an ongoing concern. One of the projects I'm actually working on as well works with uh, commercial farmers and being able to uh, offer water solutions to them anywhere in the world that would uh, maximize water usage, uh, their productivity out of the water usage, not maximize water usage, but the productivity of the water that they use, because the water that they use would actually help the root system, the nutritional value of the food, because a lot of the water that is being put out in irrigation doesn't necessarily help support us because the ground is tired. It's worn out. The nutritional value of the food becomes depleted because it's not pulling up nutrients from the ground anymore. And a lot of the, um, Topsoil has been tilled over uh, year after year. So I actually got connected with a group that has produced units for organic farmers, small and farmers and ranchers, 
that can take and create a cost-effective way to bring forward a yield in agriculture or within ranching that is far superior with less chemicals, less fertilizers. On the ranching side, um, you don't have to use all of the antibiotics, all the steroids, and, and have animals that are actually healthier eating less feed than what corporate America is doing to our food source. So that's something that, you know, you and I can connect on, but people in America need to start to realize that just following the recipe for um, the big corporate formula isn't always the best for us as individuals. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly agree. I'm part of my sort of fight or my platform, and I'm running on a slate with three other individuals too, who feel the same way is that we need to help protect our farmers. So Arizona is a big still agricultural state. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the five C's of Arizona. Have you ever heard of that? Well, tell the audience. Um, <laughs> there's uh, So the five C's that kind of define what Arizona is, is copper, right? A lot of people know this as the copper state, climate, and then three others really define us because they're agriculture, cotton, citrus and cattle. So it's a big part of who we are, our character in Arizona. And the cuts that we're seeing from the Colorado River, the farmers are affected first. And that's a concern to me, although I know residentially, you know, we needed to survive on our own, but we also need food and we need food locally grown by independent agricultural farmers that we have in our state. And if we're not protecting that, them and their food, that food source, uh, how can we live anyway? Right. 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 Um, yeah, this would definitely be something that you'd want to uh, be brought up to speed on because it is so innovative. They, I've got scientific information I can share with you as well. So it's all, everything is backed up and documented. But one particular case study was they took in the, in the transporting of chicks when they're hatched chicks, uh, they, they, they will have about 5,000 put into a load that from the hatchery when they're hatched to go to their farms to be raised. And out of the 5,000, 20% die in that move from the hatchery to where they're going to be raised. So can you imagine unpacking this and get a thousand dead little birds mm-hmm. because of yeah. the stress? Mm-hmm. So, but once they're put on this hydrogen and it's a, a hydrogen rich water source that can be used in a corporate environment. It helps with the mineral content. They didn't lose any, zero, yeah. from 20% loss. And the chicks grew and they had a control group and they, they actually ate less food. So the, the farmer was more profitable. They didn't have to have steroids and antibiotics and all that stuff. And they came to the same weight as they keep injecting to try to get the the animals and the poultry and everything as fat, literally their legs break because the birds have to, Mm -hmm. they plump up so, so fast. Mm -hmm. And so none of that happened with, with the control group and all of that stuff that they're putting in those animals are going into our diets and our Mm -hmm. children. And then you wonder why obesity and all these things are going wild. It's all these extra hormones that are injected into the food source because of profit models. Yeah. So instead you know, of just doing what's right with water, right? 
I mean, hydration is, is a major aspect of our health, including in animals and just getting the proper hydration, which includes the minerals that are naturally within water, I think is what you're kind of referring to makes a big difference. So, well, this is hydrogen rich water, but it's also done at a corporate farming level. Mm. So it's not, you could hook it up to an individual well system and irrigate out into blueberries, strawberry farms, you know, different applications. You can hook it up for ranching, but um, the farms that have already used it, their yields are off the chart. Another people, another thing that people don't realize is the impact of the flower industry in America, that there are major businesses and grocery operations that actually make more off of their flower sales. And I don't want to say the exact corporation, uh, but if you, if you went through and could see sales, you would realize who it was, but that make more money off of their their flower sales and they actually do their groceries. And so uh, Miami here in Florida is a big hub for flowers coming in from all over the country, actually all over the world. They fly them in, but they have to get them out within seven days or they start to brown and die. But when using this water extends the life of those same flowers, 21 to 28 days. So it's also doing that to the vegetables. There's less loss there's better nutrition and therefore, you know, we're, we're getting a better product as consumers on the other side of it. So these are, are some practical solutions mm-hmm. um, as being our goal being soul medics is we try to impact the soul, whether it's on the body side, making the, us healthier, healthier body, healthier mind. You know, people don't realize because we've been so programmed by profit models that you don't just take your head off for a tune-up and put it back on, but you could actually be getting depression and brain fog from the food you're eating. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, just looking at generational wise, like I'm not, you know, very old, but looking at my, my friends having kids now who are um, younger, there's also changes in hormones, right. And changes in maturity happening much more quicker um, and more complications to those things happening at a younger age, which has contributed to our food and what's in our food and it's feeding our bodies and causing these sort of unnatural changes to occur that didn't exist. When my grandmother was growing up, right, it was kind of standard for, you know, a woman to get her, her first period when she was about 16, 17, right? My generation, it was around 12. And now my friends, it's like seven, seven years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Like some of my friends have talked about their, their young daughters getting this that young. And it's like, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It seems like a curse on those poor little girls. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you know, uh, but, uh, but these are real concerns for quality of life issues that mm-hmm. people like you need to start standing up on these type of boards saying, Hey, you know what? As a community, we need to start exploring some other options. And so with those, you know, those that type of representation with an honest heart, I think as a community in, within the state, your state, state by state, with state rights returned to the state, a lot can get accomplished. Mm-hmm. There's been uh, 
particularly to, you know, what I'm going to be running for, which is the water from the Colorado River. There's been a lot that we've had to fight for from state to state, right? Mm -hmm. And fighting against the conglomerate that is California. Um, We've had to fight really hard to get our water rights, and we've been very unsuccessful to move up the priority list of who gets, you know, the allocations from the Colorado River. And I think that is in part due to some people in those higher positions like governor who haven't really supported that fight as much, um, as well as people on the board who don't see it as a priority to continue to fight for that allocation. Because, you know, probably, as you know, California misuses that that resource like they do many other things because they're more concerned about, you know, their quote unquote environmental issues that they have, um, you know, protecting other species instead of protecting the life that exists um, in humans, right, in their farmlands and protecting them. And so we've got a big, big problem because of abusive priority to that water and states not standing up for, for what they need and, and fighting for the abuse of it on other other sides. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I have been following some of the um, Mead Lake issues with the water level depleting and controversies that are around that. Uh, you know, some people are yelling, oh, it's climate change. And other people are saying, you know, this is being deliberately done to create a crisis. Because every time a crisis is created, guess what? There's always somebody waiting in the wings with their own agenda for a solution. Yeah. And this is something I've I've tried to make very well known because my, my background is in earth and space science. So I'm very well attuned to not only the current way that their system works, but also from a historical perspective. And, um, you know, if we look historically, our climate, it changes. So in talking about um, climate change, right, I have that background. So looking at it from a historical perspective, there's been times in geological history where the climate has been far hotter with more of this, you know, uh, terrible gas called CO2 that they want to talk about, right? So where we are today is nothing new. And if we want to get into that mechanism, right, they're always pushing that CO2, there's too much CO2. Um, But one of the things that's important about CO2 is that it's a part of this process you may have heard of called photosynthesis that plants need, right? They need CO2. Mm -hmm. And then something they produce for us out of that is, you know, nutrition, stuff for us to eat, but also oxygen. So if we want to talk about climate change and um, the impact of that, we need to be careful and make sure to maintain our farmlands back to that idea because they help keep the, keep us cooler. They take CO2 out of the air if that's a problem. We want to discuss that mechanism and they produce oxygen and food and nutrition for us. So this idea that climate change is this reason why we're running out of water or why the crops are dying is a complete farce. And it's generated just to create the fear and control that some people wish to have over us. Very, very interesting. Thanks for sharing. And I I really do appreciate your insight. I'm sure that you have done quite a bit of homework because of the position you're running for and the fact that you'll probably have to debate some people along the way. And, you know, without having some viable solutions, people oftentimes just bow down to fear and turn over their critical thinking skills to whoever is riding in with their own solutions. Yeah. And it always makes me wonder, okay, um, 
you know, here's a major crisis and all of a sudden you're already lined up with a solution. Hmm. Yeah, the, the problem, reaction, solution, you know, loop. Yes, and, it, and it's kind of, a lot of times it's the same players over and over and over. So just, you know, having somebody who can step back and have some critical thinking and not be someone who's just going to sell out to contracts and opinions and bullying and everything else, but just really being able to step back logically and read things, make sure it really is in the interest of the people. Isn't that what government's supposed to do? Um, You know, politics has gotten so nasty where if anybody asks a question and it's contrary to a message that's getting a lot of, quote, media attention, then the people are oftentimes bullied, harassed, trolled, whatever you want to call it, into submission or compliance. Yes. I think it's about, um, it's learning how those individuals think and being able to use their language, um, not, not against them, but to fight the good fights. So, you know, that a big game of, you know, whatever you want to call the individuals who want to, you know, cause fear and take control. Um, they've, they've learned a long time ago that words have meanings and they like to play with those meanings and change those meanings. And it involves a little bit of fighting and holding back against them is, is using that same strategy that if we want to talk about climate change, let's talk about it. Let's talk about how we combat it. How do we combat that? We have farmland and we support them with water, right? So it's, it's kind of um, using that language in their own game to, Mm -hmm. to do what's right. Yeah. And personally, my, my opinion is the people are running around screaming about this, turning the keys to your private jets and, and, uh, put yourself in a tiny home and do all the things you want to do to us. And then you may have some credibility that this is actually a threat, because if it was a bigger threat, as you're saying it is, your carbon footprint is almost like a developing nations (laughs) for one person, (laughs) you know, the sea level is rising. Why are you buying a mansion right on the sea? Yeah. Yeah. I'm very aware of those individuals that have, purchased land right on uh, sea coast. So, and what they are telling the rest of the people to do. But at any rate, I see the same problem going through with uh, developments, real estate developers, where they're just jamming through high density all over Florida and not even caring about the people who have already lived here, established here. Like when I moved down here, I moved out to the suburbs to raise my son and everywhere I look, they're selling out the farmland and they're putting up high density housing. And I'm like, listen, this high density stuff, first of all, your road system can't support the level of density you put in. Who is approving all of this? Because it surely isn't in the best interest of the people that are here and have been paying the taxes, which is paying those politicians that are selling out. And what happens? You get more pollution, you get more road rage, you get more mental stress because people can't move around. And, you know, the people that are trying to escape these heavily populated cities 
with oxygen concentration levels that have diminished because of the pollution from 21% down to 16%. And, you know, they're, they've been suffering. Then you want to recreate the same thing down here. Yeah. That we we doesn't have, make sense. We have the same issue happening around Arizona as well, especially in places like Scottsdale and Phoenix. Um, we have the desert that we've had just like beautiful landscape that is now being taken up by apartment complex after apartment complex. And, you know, Scottsdale and Phoenix are like, oh, we have a water shortage. Well, then why are you putting instead of a single family home, right? Either one, you could just leave the desert alone. But instead of putting a single family home, now you're stacking 10 families in one spot. So how is that really helping this quote unquote water problem that you're having? Um, but, you know, a little bit into that, I don't know if you're familiar with that. I believe it was the last infrastructure bill. Maybe it was another one that was passed that um, dollars are being incentivized into city councils to build high density housing. So they are right. getting additional funds from the federal government to do this. And in terms of my position, there's people that sit on the CAP board currently and other candidates that are running who are in the pocket of developers and they want to subsidize property tax, right, for the cost of water to develop more. And mm -hmm. so they're, they're charging people based on their property tax to pay for other people's water usage to get more of my funny funding into the city council coffers and to build more complexes. So they don't have any interest at heart to maintain our infrastructure to maintain our natural landscape and to protect the taxpayer at all. I have some uh, political friends there in Arizona I'm going to connect you with because <laughs> you do need some allies and you need independent thinkers and that's who I'm connected with and that's who I'm going to connect you with. Yeah, I would love to have as many people I can, you know, working towards this because there's this race that you many people don't even know exists in Maricopa County, like it's 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 starting to heat up because there are 14 people running for five seats, and many of those people are either backed by developers or they're backed by the Sierra Club, which either side has a lot of money and uh, a lot of sway that they're vying for. Um, for myself and for my slave, we we want to do this because we know it's right and we know we want to protect the taxpayer as a taxpayer, nothing more. We are backed by nobody other than ourselves. And, you know, the little bits we can get from our family and friends, it's it's no more than just us doing what we need to do as a civil service, like it was intended to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I love your spirit. And I'll do what I can to connect you to like-minded people that may be able to help you along that road. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Soul Connection with Dr. K hosts a forum of expert guests that showcase popular topics that can impact the soul. Weekly, our soul doctor connects with authors, medical professionals, and leaders that share expertise and testimonials. Check out our growing community on site at soulconnectionusa.com. Tune in to Feed the Soul Live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, or listen on your time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device. 
including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to The Soul Connection. If you would like to call in during the show, call us at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to soulconnectionusa at protonmail.com. And now, back to this week's show. Now, for your daily grind, you're in the educational system, which is a whole nother can of worms we can discuss here, right? Yes. All right. So give us a little background. So um, I've worked in education for the last 10 years. I was in the classroom for seven of those teaching high school um, earth and space science. And I taught in urban, heavily urban areas. Um, A majority of my students were low-income, minority, mainly Hispanic population, Um, and I I loved every second of being in the classroom, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I knew I wanted to to move into different positions, and I've stayed in education because I, like I said, have a passion for the future of Arizona, and Mm -hmm. these kids are, you know, meant to kind of become that future, hopefully, and uh, I don't want to leave a void for somebody else to come in because I'm, I am surrounded by people who have different views than I do and have different intentions or goals for what education, the purpose of education should serve. So I've, I've maintained my position to be, you know, the sort of uh, underpinning conservative working in my position because now I handle the science curriculum for, for a district in Arizona, in Phoenix. And I, I stick with it because I, I care deeply for the population that we serve to, to make our state great, um, to keep it great. But it's, it's an uphill battle also considering the things I hear, the things I see happening behind the scenes is, is, a, is a deep concern. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think everybody is feeling that from in almost every state because as the system we currently have lived under is really not freedom and it hasn't been for a long time. We've been living under the ideals of freedom, but when you have a system that trains from birth, we're we're introduced to this thing called inflation. So every year our money's going to be worth less. Every year we're going to have to work harder. Then pretty soon one income can't do it because they delinquent from, you know, gold back and then the fiat became much less valuable. So now you got to go grab the spouse and the spouse is working as well. Now 
um, they're all putting in 40 hour jobs and the school systems are raising the kids. And they're so tired at night that, you know, you just trust that this system called government is working on your behalf. And people have become horrified to see what their children actually end up believing after years of going through the system. I mean, I've talked to people that have said, hey, you know, I had no idea that this, you know, these different things that were totally contrary to everything that we believe were actually being taught to our children. And here in Florida, it was quite a stunning victory that um, the Miami-Dade School Board turned conservative. And that is the most liberal district in, from what I know, in the Florida, state of Florida. So that's telling you a lot that people are waking up and I'm praying that more people like you step into these critical roles that understand that your job is to help the child learn, not to share, you know, political views or anything else, but to do your job, to share the information in a loving, caring way. Children feel accepted, um, but the ideologies of the things don't belong in the classroom. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and it's interesting because it accelerated very quickly to see where we are today. Um, When I first started in education, there was definitely hints of that or Mm -hmm. teachers that felt that their purpose was to be sort of the activist. Um, But I I believe teachers really get into it because they care, right? They have have a heart and a soul that they want to foster the youth to become intelligent, proactive, you know, engaged, you know, intelligent, informed, uh, you know, parts of society. But along the way, somebody has learned how to take that, that interest and that heart and manipulate it. And a lot of these teachers have have fallen subject to that and have become sort of pushing these agendas forward when really they should just be teaching a kid how, how to add and subtract or teaching a kid how to read and write. Because in the state of Arizona, we have been very low on the polls um, in terms of student testing, and it just continues to drop. Um, you walk into classrooms and you're like, are we learning anything in here? I don't even know what's happening. And that's not every, that's not every classroom, but there, there seems to have been a, a lack of what our purpose is, as well as a taking over of the parents' role, assuming that parents can't do it. And I think there's, there's a little bit to blame on both sides. I think parents kind of took the eye off the ball because, you know, as good people, we, we assume that people had our best interest at heart, right? Like you mentioned, but we're learning that many people have not. And so mm-hmm. the schools have taken over that role of being the parent. And we have learned that very quickly that many people actually believe that you as a parent are not the primary stakeholder in your child's education. They are, and they know what's best. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I know we pulled our son out of public school and put him in uh, Christian mm-hmm. private school. And I did ask him, I said, so, you know, we specifically did that because I don't want other people indoctrinating my son. And therefore, I asked him, do you know the political bent of your teachers? And he's like, yeah, probably half of them. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, seriously, you're doing what you can 
to get them out of that environment, but still put them in an environment that is supposed to be in line with your beliefs. And yet they know that the school system is hiring from probably a secular pool of teachers. And even with the having to pay tuition on top of, it's not subtracted from your property taxes, but you're paying that on top of having to pay your property taxes and you're still getting that? That is just not right, you know? So um, there might be some things that can actually help collaborate on some of the programs we have written. I've been teaching a number of years in the jail and prison system, detention centers, so on and so forth. And I started writing a brain health program, which actually is, I, I changed it around a bit and made it fun and interactive, like a, um, a dashboard series. So it's more fast and furious because, you know, that kind of appeals to everybody. It's getting deployed within the veterans community now and within the truckers community now. So there, there's actually different applications for it. But it really has to deal with starting the, the discussion, especially with young minds that are developing of what are good habits, what are bad habits for brain health, and what are the consequences. And and I'm putting these things up, so I'll be able to share them with anybody, and I'll, I can share them with you too. Uh, and I also am working with the NFT community, which the NFT community tends to attract younger people. And so we'll have an audience going there as well. So I think there could be some collaboration between us here and and you over there and giving you some fun and interactive resources. So education, you know, can have a little bit different appeal that it doesn't have to be dry. It It can be in a format that is easier to handle for some. Yeah. Yeah. There, there needs to be some innovation to, to our education. Um, not only to get back to sort of the quote unquote basics that, you know, you could say, but also like we have a changing time. We have a different population than we did 10, 15, 20 years ago that are in the classrooms that need, need something different. Like you're explaining. Yeah. Um, for people that are listening, just know that the brain isn't done developing until you're 25 years old and kids are getting a lot of mixed messages. I just, had a young man in in our office here this week who was telling me about you know being told to smoke marijuana to help put him to sleep at night. So I had to show him the effects uh, on brain spec imaging of any type of smoking, cigarettes, marijuana, vaping, because anytime you reduce the oxygen coming into your body, your brain requires twenty percent of your intake, even though it's only three pounds. And so immediately it starts working on the brain. So I pulled up a brain spec image of four years of someone smoking cigarettes and four years of someone smoking marijuana. And he could see that the marijuana, even though it may not have as many chemicals, but it's the stronger smoke that just from the oxygen depletion of that smoker and what it's doing to the brain chemistry, the brain was actually, you could visibly see the changes. And, you know, they're getting these mixed messages, such as, you know, medical marijuana. Well, that might be all all right for putting some under your tongue um, to help nervous conditions. But 
it's not all the way across the board because there's these general principles. If you reduce your oxygen intake, your brain is going to suffer, you know, and nobody's, you know, they'll go into great detail in the educational system to have these kids calculating X and Y's out the wazoo, but the basics of how to maintain their brain and their body health, nobody's explaining. They are, but just in a a different way, right? They're explaining how they can change their bodies and be different genders and how they're all unhappy and they're all anxious. Like you should hear the amount of, uh, how many times a student talks about them being anxious. It's like, you're five. What do you have to be anxious about? Like, how do you, you don't even know what that means, right? And these, it's, it's in the exact opposite that they're telling these kids, like, you have all these issues, you know, Mm. you can't handle any of this stuff instead of telling them truly what is happening with their development, how they can manage themselves and how they can learn to get better as well. Cause they, when kids are like diagnosed with something like, you know, ADHD that they always talk about, it's never a, well, let's work with how your brain works to help you get better. It's, oh, you have a hindrance and you can't do this because you have ADHD. Yeah. You tell somebody that they're disabled, that they're impaired, they'll begin to believe it. And they'll Mm -hmm. take on these labels as curses. Yes. And so you're really doing people a disservice. What people don't understand is about half Americans right now do have ADD or ADHD in some form. So you want to tell us that half of our public are disabled? No, they just think differently. And guess what? There are reasons our food does not have the nutrients to support the neurotransmitter activity that the body has to have. And, you know, the kids are now, instead of going out for recess, which one of the things that we had to do, we had two recesses and a a PE time growing up. And it's proven that exercise decreases depression, even better than medication. And it also uh, improves any symptoms of ADD and ADHD. On top of that, you have people who are heavy metal toxic by the time they're 35. So you know, they're taking it in as youths. And that toxicity creates neurological problems, you know, and they're getting it everywhere. They're getting in beauty products, they're getting it in cleaning products, they're getting it in the air, they're getting it in the pesticides and the foods, they're getting it, uh, the tattoo craze, they're getting it everywhere. It will create brain fog, it'll brain fog, it'll create confusion. And Alzheimer's is one in three people are supposed to have it now within the next 20 years. I mean, it's exploding. So obviously, we're doing a whole lot of things wrong within this educational system. People can't even care for their bodies and their minds, and they're just spending all the time teaching the kids how to multiply X's and Y's. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, when I went to school, we had some basic learning classes. We had driver's ed. Do you know that between the, the years of 16 and 17 years old, if you if you train your child with a permit between those years, instead of just giving a kid a license and sending them out on the road, they have a 50% less chance of being in a fatal accident. Most people don't know that. We had this thing called driver's ed when I grew up. It was a required class, you know? They had shop class, they had uh, home ec class, so that people could do general things. 
Yes. And then I did too. I remember my driver's ed class, it was like an old washing machine that was like turned into, it was like a seat put in it and a, and a driving thing at the the teacher put down a projector and it was just a film of like going down the street and we we're supposed to react to things. <laughs> so um, I, I had those and it wasn't that long ago, but those really kind of don't exist very much. When I started teaching in the school that I was in, um, electives such as that dwindled, uh, yeah. like practical skills, um, just those kinds of things, they, they don't really exist as much anymore. And uh, it's, it's sad to see that go because you know, thinking about uh, pushing all kids into college, you know, maybe it's a good thing for them to go to college, but we need, we need factory people too. It's college isn't for everybody. A trade is just as lucrative and beneficial. So. Or, yeah. Then, then going to college and it can be just as fulfilling for people too. So it's, it's sad that we've, we failed on a lot of aspects of not teaching those skills or introducing them to kids at a young age, but also pushing them in directions that, maybe aren't the best for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just being able to succeed in, in the general things of life, there are kids, you know, they get a license, but they don't even understand they have to check the oil. <laughs> you know, they don't, they don't get how to, to care for anything. And you're really not doing society any good without training up these kids in the practical things that they're going to be interacting with people that they could, you know, hurt somebody on the road. I remember when we were in driver's ed, they used to uh, trailer up a, a car that they saved from a fatal accident and the, that they would bring it in. And it was just, I, you know, I still remember it this many years later because it made it so real, the whole DUI thing and, and told the whole story about, you know, the family that was hurt and died. And all of a sudden, man, you know, those type of things, they start to click. But children think abstractly as their minds are growing and they are pliable. And so you have to start putting in information that will help them start thinking critically, such as what, are, what could be the consequence? And that is just getting worked out of the educational process. It's more like sit down and do what we tell you to do. Don't question and uh, just be quiet. And if, you know, if you play with your phone, fine, just be quiet. Instead of really helping them learn how to think critically. Yeah. And the, the consequences thing is part of why I moved out of the classroom. Um, I moved districts as well. Um, although I see it kind of evolving where I'm at, but um, a big push, which is part of the SEL, the CRT, the restorative justice, whatever you want to call it, is removing consequences because it's, oh, you don't want to hurt the kid's feelings. And it's like, well, they need to understand that with every action is a consequence, whether that's a positive or negative one. And there's rules and there's ways that we interact with each other. And we have to understand how that how that works. And so it's a major disservice on multiple levels that we are not implementing these consequences with kids. And it got so bad that, you know, I had, I had students who were smoking weed in my classroom and there wasn't really a consequence for that. Showing up whenever they wanted, um, saying whatever they wanted. When I was in school, if I said a curse word, it was an automatic referral. Like it was no question. You were after school picking up trash, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And now it's, now it's no consequences because they don't know any better because their, you know, fill in the blank, whatever, you know, division or demographic or thing you call that individual. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, they're a student. 
they're growing. They don't know what the consequences are yet. We have to help them understand what those consequences are. So when they get out into the real world, they can interact and do things, you know, with an informed decision, because like we're seeing with a lot with police interactions, you know, with these kids that are the populations that maybe they maybe they might be targeted in some areas. I don't know. But when they interact with the police officer, they don't know how to act. Mm-hmm. They don't know what to do. They think that they can do whatever they want because they've been told they can do whatever they want. And then they end up getting in trouble and something even escalates to death because they don't know how to positively interact and, and proactively stand up for themselves. There's ways to interact in those situations where you can still stand up for your rights. You can stand up for who you are, but you need to know, need to know how to do that. And we've stopped training them how to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you're going to have a big job ahead of you. So, um, you know, I'll definitely put you in my prayers. And I do see states like Florida and Arizona, Texas is another one as states that are fed up with what's going on in our schools and in to our American families and leading the charge. And I'm very proud of our governor here in Florida, DeSantis, And he's taken on a lot of this woke stuff that has hit our schools that isn't appropriate. And like I was explaining to you in some of these programs, I created a a skit that we were going to launch out into the schools. And then, you know, the whole COVID thing came and then they locked everybody out of schools, even if you're a a charitable organization. So we couldn't do it. But I had um, a brain scan comparison and it was one it was the same person. So in one scan, the person was told to think all positive thoughts. And then five minutes later, same person is re-scanned and they're told to think all the things that tick you off, every injustice, everything that makes you angry. And immediately the brain started to shrink. You can see between the two pictures done within five minutes, the effect of the negative thinking. And, you know, parents need to take that really seriously because you're training up children and this is the training ground for the rest of their lives and their souls. I call them soul snares. I don't want some Yahoo. I don't know, putting a whole bunch of snow soul snares into my child's soul because they're going to have to deal with that. And the, the, the thing is, is those people that are putting it there think that there's no consequence to themselves, but that isn't the universal law. I don't care if you're, you're Buddhist, Hindu, whatever faith you are, there is a concept of sowing and reaping. Some call it karma. Uh, Newton's third law. <laughs> yes. And what it will come back. It will come back. So if anyone is listening to this show, and there's any ounce of conviction, you know, um, Jesus Christ is always there to accept people that have repented and forgiven. But sometimes we've been trained to even think of our faith like some type of Santa Claus that just approves everything. And he doesn't. He still loves us just like, you know, you love your child, even if that child is doing something wrong, you'll still love them. But when the consequences roll in, you might not bail their butts out because they need to learn a lesson. If we train up our children, they won't have be living from one crisis to another in consequences because we help train them up 
so they won't have to face as many. <laughs> and that is what we're talking about today. And, and those people that are in that position, that is a, a position, a God-given position of authority. And I pray that people take it seriously, because if you don't, what you sow, especially into the least and to the little ones, will be multiplied back into your life. Yes. And that is scriptural. So at any rate, sister, anything you want to put forward for closing on our show today, tell people how to get a hold of you, um, any type of contact information? Um, well, for in terms of running for the Water Conservation Board, if you'd like to check out you know, what we're running for or anything about me, you can go to capwaterboard.com. So that's about me and my slate that we're running to conserve and protect the water in Arizona particularly Maricopa County. Um, beyond that, I just, I, I hope that people listen to the words of, as a parent, one, you are involved in your student, your student, your child's upbringing, and to be very interactive to help them be positive in upbringing in their lives. And, you know, don't, don't necessarily, although we want to judge every single teacher, you should get to know your teachers very well, know where they're coming from, because you may be able to help them do better and not to go down the path that we've seen many of them go down. Yes. And I do agree. We'll connect later because I want to share with you some of these projects that I've been busy developing and what I was telling you about with the, the whole skit thing that we're setting to do in schools, because not only did we want to teach the kids in a fun, interactive way about how to help maintain themselves and their mental health, but also put it in there so that the teachers start to understand that what they're doing actually can have a physical effect on their kids and maybe remind them why they're teaching and to take inventory of what they're teaching. Mm-hmm. So and one other thing, recently I visited uh, up in Massachusetts, I, I visited the campuses of Harvard University and uh, MIT is right down the road. And the graduating class of doctors up there were mostly Chinese because our Americans no longer can get into successfully those type of programs. The the educational requirements are so high that our people aren't cutting it anymore. And so personally, I do believe that God's medicine was never meant to be that complicated but for this allopathic system, the top notch, the Ivy Leagues are turning out foreigners as the top people who are going to be running our hospital systems because our people can't cut it anymore because our educational system is failing us. So wake up, America. With that, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you for your time. And uh, we'll certainly be connecting on a number of of subjects going forward. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. Have a great day. Thank you again for tuning in to the Soul Connection. We can be found at soulconnectionusa.com with our developing community. Please join us again every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, Find new ways this week and every week to make your own soul connections.